Right, how are y'all doing this afternoon? Everybody's doing good? <laughs> Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad that you're here. You know, we're in a really exciting time in our church, and a, a powerful message went out at a past Friday fire spoken by Pastor Christian about moving from the Davidic administration to the Solomonic administration. And I remember when I first heard that word, I was so excited uh, just to step into the revelation of peace on all sides. Doesn't peace sound good? Moving from the Davidic administration to the Solomonic administration, that means moving from constant warfare to a season of building. No more fighting, no more being consumed with fighting, but now it's a time to recognize that peace surrounds us and it's time to build. Doesn't that sound good? You know, First Chronicles, when King David first uh, gave that word to King Solomon, his son, uh, the word of the Lord came to King David, First Chronicles chapter 22, verses 9. I'm just going to read that portion to you guys real quick. It said, Behold a son, this is the Lord speaking to David, Behold a son shall be born to you who shall be a man of rest. I will give him rest from all his surrounding enemies, for his name shall be Solomon, and I will give peace and quiet to Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name. He shall be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish his royal throne in Israel forever. Now, my son, this is King David speaking to Solomon, the Lord be with you, so that you may succeed in the building of the house of the Lord your God, as he who has spoken concerning you. Only may the Lord grant you discretion and understanding that when he gives you charge over Israel, you may keep the law of the Lord your God. Then you will prosper if you are careful to observe the statutes and the rules that the Lord God commanded Moses for Israel. So be strong and courageous. Fear not. Do not be dismayed. You know, when I saw those words, be strong and courageous, I kind of laughed because those words I immediately identify with Joshua. When Moses was about to die and he began to set his mantle of leading God's people into the promised land to Joshua, he said those same words to Joshua, be strong, be courageous, do not be discouraged, do not be afraid, do not be terrified for the Lord, your God is with you. So here is Joshua who was about to enter the promised land, but Joshua is a man of war. And he needed to hear those words, be strong and be courageous because God is going to give you the victory. But I, I find it funny that when it's time to build, we also need to hear those words as well. Be strong and be courageous. I want you guys to turn with me to today's passage and we're going to look at first Peter, first Peter, uh, chapter two. And we're going to read verses uh, 1 to 11. I'll take a verse and you guys can take the following verse. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. Okay, I'll start. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy 
and all slander. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Uh, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Now, when King David first told King Solomon... You are going to build the temple of God. This was a physical, literal temple. And now that we're moving from the Davidic administration, from this time of warfare and entering a season of building for our house, we're talking about not just building a physical building. We're talking about a building that is built with living stones. First Peter chapter two says it right here. You and I are living stones. This house that we're building are built with men. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say that you are a living stone. And the house that we're building is not a literal house. It's a spiritual house. The definition of church today is not these four walls. It's you and I, we are the church. We are the house. We do represent the very presence and we carry the very presence of God in us together. I want you guys to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 18 to 22. And I'm going to read this passage to you guys. You guys can just read along with me. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 18 to 22 says this, For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father, so that no longer you are... no. So no longer you are strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit. You and I are being joined together. We are being built together to be called a dwelling place for God. And there's an aspect of intimacy that this word is introducing to us. 
It's not a word of isolation. It's not a word of separation. It's a word of relationship and intimacy. The dwelling place of the Lord has to do with not just me, but you and me together. We're being built up. Those to the left, those to the right of you, the very ones that have confessed Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, together we're being built into the house of God. And that's the season that you and I are in. And it's funny that last year our theme verse was year of intimacy. And I think it was such a perfect platform to this year of increase. It's a year of intimacy that has gone before us, but that is the foundation that we can jump into the year of increase at this hour. Amen. But the thing about being built together and the thing about joining together is we can't be ignorant of the devil's schemes. And one of the things that I want to preach to you guys today is a tactic, a strategy that the devil uses not to cause unity, but to bring division. And that is a spirit of jealousy. You know, the spirit of jealousy is, what, is a spirit that is so destructive. It's in complete opposition to building. If we're in a season of building, then the spirit of jealousy is the exact opposite of what God is doing. See, God is building, but the devil wants to destroy. He wants to destruct. He wants to divide. He wants to separate what God is joining together. And the spirit of jealousy is not something that we just find outside of the church. Unfortunately, we find it inside the church as well, don't we? And so today, I think the word of God is going to come to each of us, and it's going to destroy the power of jealousy in our lives. If you guys want to receive that, I want you to lift up your hands. I want you to say, I receive it. Now, the thing about the dispensation of sonship that's so awesome is it turned God, someone, a being that we thought was distant and far away and brought the revelation that he is our heavenly father, that we're connected to him by relationship. Now we're not slaves any longer, but we're actually sons of God. That's a powerful revelation. But the thing about stepping into God's family is that we also need to come into the revelation that not only are we sons of God, but we're brothers and sisters. And many of us, a lot of the root of our jealousy comes even with just siblings, doesn't it? And I want to focus today on sibling rivalry. (laughs) Sibling rivalry. This is something that we need to be aware of, we need to sniff out, and we need to destroy right away. Why? Because it's in direct opposition of what God wants to do in your life. I have an older brother. He's five years older than me. And he is the epitome of perfect. Okay? My brother, his name is Philip. I love him. I adored him. In fact, I wanted to be just like him. I wore his clothes when I was in middle school. At that time, it was cool because baggy clothes was in. And so I'd wear my brother's baggy jeans and I'd tie a belt around and I'd look ridiculous. But I thought I was so cool. And my brother, he was so smart. He was smart. He um, was continuously, he's one of those straight A students. He uh, was, went to Cornell. Uh, Ivy League student. Uh, he received scholarship. He also did ROTC. He was in the Navy to, um, for us to even be able to afford to send him to Cornell. He was all state in saxophone, all state in tenor saxophone. He was also all state in cross country. He was a runner. I also try to be a runner. I tried doing cross country too, but I quit. I also tried being a band, but I quit. <laughs> 
And so my brother took French. I remember, you know, I, I took French growing up. And the only reason why I took French is because my brother took French. That's the only reason. I wanted to be like him. He was so perfect to me. In fact, he went to prom with the valedictorian of his class. It's like, come on. And um, as much as I admired my brother, there was a deep-rooted jealousy that I had towards him. Every time I looked at him, I was confronted with my own failures, with my own insecurities. When I saw his success, all I saw in me was failure. And soon, instead of celebrating with my brother, wow, opa, congratulations, another trophy, another award, I began to despise it. I began to find myself just, another one? Really? Is that necessary? Like the 20 that you have on your mantle is not enough? And I couldn't celebrate with my brother. Soon I began to treat him with contempt. And I found myself just getting more and more and more jealous of my own brother. You know, this sibling rivalry, it's not just found in our immediate families. It's not found in our natural siblings. We can find it manifest in the church because we're not just separate people anymore. You and I are being joined together. And in fact, we're called brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Because we are all adopted into the family of God. But this problem of comparison, it still reeks in the house. The plan is still very much to destroy and to separate what God is doing. And there's a sibling rivalry that God wants to destroy today. Amen? Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not jealous of you. Some of y'all said that with jealousy. Oh, Lord. (laughs) You know... If you look up and study envy and jealousy, those words are often intertwined. You use them as the same. Uh, But they're a little bit different. But even the word of God often uses them in the same way. But I'm just going to give you a little bit of a definition so you guys know what platform I'm working on. Okay. Envy, Envy can be defined more as focusing on other people's things. Okay. When you envy, you covet. You want what someone else has. But jealousy, jealousy is like a more matured version of envy. It includes animosity towards the person themselves. It's vengeful, vengeful and vengeful, vengeful, venge, venge, venge. Anyway, listen, it's active, all right? When you're envious of someone, you want what they have. But when you're jealous of someone, now you're focused on having animosity towards the person. Okay. Both are considered to be sin. In fact, one of the Ten Commandments is do not covet what your neighbor has. But jealousy, there's something about jealousy that is so much more deeper, so much more developed, so much more, it's kind of like envy nurtured produces jealousy. In in a way, you can say that jealousy is envy manifested. While envy might be the thought, jealousy is the obsession. Okay? 
uh, in the Greek, the word zealous, it means zeal. And in the Bible, that word zeal is both positive and negative. And in fact, that word zeal is replaced by both jealousy and envy in the English language. And there is a healthy form of jealousy. I'll get to that later, but I'm going to focus right now on the negative aspect of jealousy. The thing about jealousy that's so terrible is that our ego feels threatened. And in fact, if you study the history of jealousy, it goes all the way back even before Adam and Eve was created. Jealousy was, I guess you can say it was birthed by Satan himself. Now, when Satan was created by God, and he was, he was an angel first. And he was created good. And Isaiah 14, 12 to 14 gives us a little bit of a snippet of what happened. And if I want you guys to just turn there real quick. Isaiah 14. Twelve to fourteen. It says, How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. This is referring to Satan, by the way. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. This is a description of Satan's heart. That he was an angel that was even called the dawn, um, the son of dawn, morning star. And here, one moment where he was God's kind of one of the top angels, there's a a thought that came into him that said, you know what? I want to be like God. I want to be worshipped. I want to receive the glory. And that heart, that jealousy for that worship that God was experiencing, it birthed kind of like the division of heaven. And in Revelation, later on, it describes that a third of the angels a third of the angels ended up following Satan's desire to begin to separate. And they began to go under Satan's leadership and not God's. The funny thing is, what Satan wanted is what we have. If what you read here, it says that I will make myself like the most high. You know, as men and women, it says in Genesis that you and I were created in the very image of God. Now, Satan, jealousy is what produced It's what birthed him to step out of God's glory and out of God's kingdom. And that jealousy to be like God, that desire to be like God is actually found in you and I. You and I are made in the image of God. And so Satan, you need to understand the reason why he hates us so much is because what we have, what he doesn't. Satan is jealous of us. Satan is jealous of us. Satan is jealous of you. Turn to your neighbor and say, Satan is jealous of you. He's jealous of you because he's jealous of God. He wanted what God had. He wanted worship and he wanted those to bow to him. He wanted his name to be lifted up on high. 
And the problem is that same spirit of jealousy that sit, that characterized Satan and his downfall is the very same thing that tries to creep in us. Because we want our name to be lifted up on high. And we want our name to be recognized. And we want our name to be put on a platform. You know, the thing about jealousy is, number one, it's divisive in nature. Jealousy divides. And I mentioned that a little bit earlier. I remember when I was in middle school, I had a best friend, um, Diana, and she introduced me to her other best friend. You know, back in the day, best friends were really important. And coining each other, the name best friend was also really significant. So she was my best friend and I was her best friend. But suddenly she had another best friend and that best friend's name was Grace. And when Grace and I met, we connected and there was like this attraction. And all of a sudden me and Grace, it was like, oh, like there was a chemistry between us. And I remember I didn't have Grace's number. I didn't have her information. And so what happened was I began to call Diana and say, Hey, let's call Grace out and let's hang out. And Diana would always say like, Oh, she's busy. She can't, she can't hang out. Let's just hang out. And I'm like, okay. Little did I know later on, a few years later, she confessed and telling us that Grace wasn't busy. In fact, Grace had all the time in the world. What happened was Diana began to, she began to be afraid of my friendship with Grace. And I found out that Grace would call Diana and say, hey, I really like your friend Erin. Let's hang out with her. Call her out. And Oh, Erin's busy. She can't come out. And out of fear of losing the both of us, she began to hoard and she began to divide. And jealousy, it divides us. It doesn't unite us. It divides us. If we're called to be living stones that are built together, the word of God says, join together the very spirit of jealousy. It breaks that mission. It divides us. It separates us. And in fact, it causes us to build up walls of resentment, bitterness, and even further along hatred towards one another. And we carry offense towards one another as if someone succeeding is offensive to us. How dare you? How dare you succeed? How dare you love God like that? How dare you become an active leader? How dare you get promoted? How dare you? And rather celebrating, united, being joined together. Now we've just cut and put a wall between the very person we're supposed to be intertwined with. It destroys and it divides. You know, not only is the spirit of jealousy destructive and divisive, it also leads to sin. And jealousy itself, it's sin, but it leads to greater sin. You know, I remember um, when I first got engaged, I got engaged when I was 23 years old. I was really young. And I was working at an elementary school at the time, and I had Korean native co-teachers. And uh, the co-teacher that I worked with, uh, she was about in her early 30s, mid-30s. And I remember when I first described that I was in a relationship, you know, she was excited for me, but she really wasn't. And I remember the day that I came to the office and I, and I, I was like, you know what, should I tell them I got engaged? But I was wearing a ring. And I was like, they're probably going to notice, so might as well just say it and kind of get them to rejoice with me, you know? Word of God says, rejoice 
with those who rejoice, right? Mourn with those who mourn. So I thought she's, she's totally going to rejoice with me. And I said, oh, hey, you know, guess what? I got engaged last night and I showed her the ring and this was her reaction. Oh, I kid you not. The spirit of jealousy manifested physically. Like it was like, oh, and I was so shy. I was just like, oh, thank you. Like I was so confused. And did you know that when I told her that I was engaged, she began to ignore me. And she began to give me the silent treatment. You know, we would teach together, co-teach her. So I would walk in the classroom. She would walk first and she would close the door behind her when I'm behind. Like, it was crazy. And it was like walking on eggshells. But it was this spirit of jealousy that was raging inside of her. And it led her not to just think it, but to act on it. Now she's physically closing the door in my face. (laughs) Physically closing the door in my face. Every time she looked at me, I could feel it. I could feel it. She just like hated me, loathed me. That whole verse about rejoicing when I, no, yeah, no, (laughs) there was no rejoicing of any kind. You know, later on, she would, oh, I'm so happy for you. You know, like twitching. So happy for you. But it's funny when we hear it in that context, but some of us, we respond like that to each other. And we physically cannot rejoice. It feels like. We physically, guess what? Pastor Christian invited me to his place and I had dinner with him. Oh, really? Oh. So awesome. So happy for you. Oh, you know? Oh, where are you coming from? Oh, Pastor Aaron's birthday party. Oh, you were invited? Oh. So happy for you. Like physically, even though we are the body of Christ, even though we're called to be joined together, even though we're called to be in covenant relationship with one another, that means I belong to you. You belong to me. We all belong to God. There's a sense of belonging that's there. We can't celebrate when God is doing something powerful in each other's lives because of the spirit of jealousy. And it begins to lead to other sins. And now we begin to speak negatively towards one another. We begin to gossip. We begin to slander. We begin to not hear the voice of the Lord, but we begin to really hope deep down inside that they would fall. Oh, you're leading the missions team this time around? And secretly hoping that they won't do as well. The thing about the spirit of jealousy is it's divisive in nature. It leads to sin, but also it's consuming. It's a consuming distraction. Have you guys ever been jealous of somebody and it consumed you? 
Like every time you looked at them, every time you, you just had a, a moment to think, you would think about that person. And it, it was just so consuming. You know, I remember when I led my first missions trip, I was just a, a prayer team member at the time, and I led my first missions trip to the Philippines. And a couple of you guys were on that trip. Woo woo. Um, and I was so insecure about my leadership and I was just, it was, it was so scary for me to be a leader of the team. And I felt like I was one of the youngest of the team as well, age wise. And so I really disqualified myself a lot. But one thing that many people don't know about that particular missions trip, Christian and I were actually beginning to date during that time was I was consumed with jealousy towards a member on my team. In fact, every time that I looked at this particular member of my own personal missions team that I'm supposed to be leading, I couldn't rejoice. I just, yeah, that's what I did. Don't worry, Myungwa, it's not you. And one of the reasons why I, I, was so jealous of this particular person was because I thought that she had what I didn't have. And I looked at her set of giftings and I saw my own weaknesses in those areas and I was jealous. And on top of that, Christian was good friends with her. Now, can we get real here? Is it okay if I just get a little bit real here? What happened was I started to have dreams. Remember, I'm supposed to be leading a missions team, but I began to have dreams. And in these dreams, I'm driving a car and I'm driving a car that's going out of control. I always have driving car dreams, right? I'm driving a car that's going out of control and I'm driving, but in the backseat, I see Christian and this girl. You guys, it's just a dream. It didn't happen. All right. Y'all, y'all responding like I did. All right. I would see Christian and this girl and they're all like, like looking into each other's eyes and I'm driving and all I could look at was my back, the rear view mirror. You know what I'm talking about? Like if you're driving, you look in the rear view mirror, you can see the people sitting in the back. I could, I wasn't even looking straight. I was looking there. I was looking there the whole time and I was and I remember shouting at him in my dream, like you drive, you drive. I don't want to drive. You drive. You drive. <laughs> and the funny thing is, I realized that the car starts spinning out of control and I try to press the brake, but under the brake was a stack of books. And so I couldn't, even if I pressed it, it wouldn't go down. It consumed me. In fact, those kind of dreams happened so often that I began to hold defense towards him. He didn't do anything. <laughs> Nothing happened. But in my dream... In my dream, it did. And I began to hold offense towards him and the girl and the sister. And it's so ironic because even though that dream wasn't prophetic, it was more soulish. It revealed what I thought to be true, but wasn't true. Something in the dream was very insightful, which is that when you, when I was so focused on being jealous, I was looking in the rearview mirror. 
And when you're in a season of moving forward, often the spirit of jealousy tries to tempt us to come into agreement with it so that we begin to focus on the rearview mirror instead of focusing on the direction that God is calling us to. And therefore, the spirit of jealousy becomes distracting. It becomes consuming and it's designed to be distracting. It's designed to distract you from the very path that God set out for you. And the call that he set out for you. And the revelation of the gifts that he's given you. By having you focus on the rearview mirror. Of the people that you are jealous of. You guys are so curious of who this person is, aren't you? In fact, some of my staff, Amaya staff, they know who it is. I shared it with them. Um, And it becomes so so consuming. That was my first missions trip. It was so distracting that in the middle of my missions trip, I had to have a conversation with Christian. I remember we were at the MPWM center in Manila and I had to call him in the middle of the night and we sat, sat under this hut. And instead of talking about the salvations, instead of talking about what God was doing, instead of talking about the MPWM pastors, I had to confront him with my jealousy towards this person. And I had to tell him, I'm so distracted. I don't know what to do. I was so filled with shame. Because if there's one thing that we we don't want to confess to, it's the fact that we're jealous. You know? Oh, yeah, I struggle with this. I struggle with that. But but opening up with our mouths that I'm jealous, there's something about it that it just irks us inside, doesn't it? That makes us want to, oh, no, I'm not jealous. I'm so happy for you. And this... The spirit of jealousy, it's actually rooted in deception. And the deception is that you lack. You lack something. Therefore, the person has something you can't possibly have. Instead of walking in the truth and the revelation of the glorious riches that we have in Christ Jesus, it makes us feel like we need to compete. And that if someone else gets it, you can't have it. See, that's all deceptive. It's funny because Esau... And Jacob are a great example of sibling rivalry. But there's something that's not true about the story of Esau and Jacob for us today. Because Esau and Jacob, only one could get the birthright. Only one could get the double blessing. Only one. But in our case, that's not true. It's not only one. It's not one person anymore. It's you and I all together have access to the inheritance that we have from God. And it's funny, the very things that we want that the other person has, it's already in us. And rather than discovering it by revelation, we're stuck in being distracted by jealousy. Even the prodigal son, we love that story. I've related to the prodigal son so many times. But many times after coming into the church, I began to relate more to the older brother. The older brother who could not celebrate the coming home of his long lost brother, but in fact was writhing with jealousy because his brother got a fattened calf, the robe, the ring, and some shoes. (laughs) And when he confronted his dad about it, what's up with that? I've been here all along. I've been faithful this whole time. I've been working for you this whole time. The words of the father said everything I had was yours. His very, what he was jealous about was what he already had access to, but did not know it because he was deceived. 
So then what do we do? You know, the funny thing about the spirit of jealousy, though, is um, it, it often happens with people that are close to us, doesn't it? It's kind of like siblings, and often it, al- it also has to do with best friends. It also has to do with people who are working in the same field, if you're a teacher and I'm a teacher. And when they get a promotion and you don't, you know, it, it's, we don't get jealous of old people. It's not like, oh man, you old lady, I'm so jealous of you. <laughs> like, it, it, it works more kind of like in our vicinity, you know? And that's how jealousy, it works, but it's, it's so ironic because it's the very, it's robbing us of the blessing that exists. So the person that I was so jealous of on my trip to the Philippines, I began to get confronted with that because it was so distracting, so consuming. And I began to ask the Lord, God, what am I supposed to do? And I began to try to read Bible verses of, of envy. And I came across Proverbs where it says, envy rots the bones. And I was like, dang. <laughs> so true. It, it, it impacts us so severely. Even it affects our health at times. And so I just thought to myself, I can't go on like this anymore. I can't continue like this anymore. I actually like this person, but I can't like this person because I'm so busy being jealous of this person. That person ended up being a bridesmaid in my wedding party. It's all names. Um, the person that I, I was so jealous of was Mina Choi. Thank you for that. <laughs> I'm kidding. The person I was so jealous of was Mina Choi. And, you know, at the time, I wasn't close with her when we first went in the Philippines missions trip. I wasn't that close with her, but I saw her from afar, and everything about her shined. God was doing such a powerful work in her life that I began to not celebrate what God was doing, but be jealous of it. And she has a testimony that's very similar to mine. But again, it was robbing me of being able to rejoice. But it was deeper than that. In fact, if Satan was successful, it would have robbed me of one of the most meaningful relationships that I have today. She is someone that has stuck by me, someone that has lifted me up. Later, she became my accountability partner. She's a close, close friend. But there was a moment where I almost missed out on that relationship. Because I was so busy comparing myself with her. In fact, I might even say the people that you're jealous of, even right now in the church, I'm talking about sibling, sibling issues here, okay? The very people that you're jealous of, in fact, they're the very people that are designed to bless you. And they're the very people that you're called to bless in return. And that's why Satan tries so hard to bring division because it separates. Because he's afraid of what happens when you guys come together. What happens when there's an exchange of grace? What happens when there is an exchange of, of revelation, exchange of blessings? He's so afraid that he stirs up strife. He stirs up jealousy. He stirs up bitterness and envy and hatred and even malice between you and that very person to block you, to rob you from the blessings that God has always designed for you to receive. So how did I combat jealousy? Okay, we now get that jealousy is terrible, right? 
So what do we do? I hate it. I hate being jealous. I hate not being able to celebrate with my brothers and sisters. What am I supposed to do now? Help me. Okay, I'll help you. Okay. Let me find what my help is. Oh, here we go. Okay. How to combat jealousy. Number one, you got to put to death the things of the flesh. Put to death the things of the flesh. Uh, The truth is jealousy is actually not who you are. It's a manifestation of the flesh. It's a manifestation of the old nature. It's the manifestation of the old level, old dispensation. You need to understand that to be true because what happens is we come so familiar with jealousy, it becomes a part of who we are. It becomes a friend to us. It becomes a comrade to us. Oh, jealousy, yeah. This, I, I've been friends with jealousy for 18 years now. There needs to be a dividing that needs to happen in your mind and in your truth that jealousy is not you. Even if you struggled with it for your whole life, it's still not you. It's a thing of the flesh and you're not a man or a woman of flesh anymore. You're a man or woman of the spirit. Therefore, we got to put to death. We got to divide. We got to circumcise. We got to circumcise that part of our life because it doesn't belong to us. You know, the second thing to combat jealousy is you, you need to get the revelation that you belong. When uh, we read in first Peter chapter two, it says, Uh, No, Ephesians chapter two, excuse me. It says that we are now fellow citizens with the saints. We're members of the household of God. It talks about this belonging to you and I. It's funny because when I got married to Christian, the concept of oneness still wasn't strong yet. I was so used to being myself and Christian being him. And so I found myself being jealous of my own husband. It was weird. You know, it got to the point when people prophesied over him about the great things that God was going to do through him. I was jealous. Why? Because I didn't feel like I had anything to do with that. When he received that prophetic word, it just felt like it was just a Christian Lee thing. Not, I didn't, I didn't have the revelation that it wasn't a Christian Lee thing. It was a together thing. A we were one thing. We need to get into the revelation that we belong to one another. That means when someone receives a mighty prophetic word, you're involved in that word. When someone gets blessed, you're involved in that blessing. When someone gets promoted, you're involved in that promotion. You are very much involved. We're intertwined. We're one body, which means when the eyeball gets elevated, so does the fingernail and so does the foot. We're together. We're different. We're separate, but we're together. You guys just had a weird image of an eyeball getting elevated. (laughs) Distracted you from the point of what I was trying to say. (laughs) Actually, I think the best way to combat jealousy is to be jealous. Now hear me out. It's funny that we talk about jealousy as something that's so negative because Exodus chapter 34, 14 says this. Do not worship any other God. For the Lord God, whose name is jealous, is a jealous God. And we hear the things about jealousy and we're like, why would God be jealous? What does God have to be insecure about? What lack does God, what deception is God under? That he's jealous. How does that make any sense? Remember I talked to you about how envy had to do with the things 
being envious of things, but jealousy has to do with people. See, God is jealous for you. God is jealous for you and his jealousy is divisive. It's a jealousy that divides us of the things of the sin. It's a jealousy that divides us of the things of the flesh. It's a jealousy that divides the old from the new. It is divisive. His jealousy divides us from who we are not to who we're, who we are, who we're called to be. And his jealousy also leads to death. In fact, it led to the death of his very own son, Jesus Christ. But it doesn't stop there. It calls us to be dead ourselves. It leads us to death to ourselves because this is a death that when you die, it's when you truly live. God's jealousy for us is so powerful. It is so powerful. It leads us to the place of death. And yeah, his jealousy is consuming. Oh, it's consuming. You know, the thought that you had for that person you've been jealous of. Can you imagine that that's the way that God thinks of you? That thought that burns within you every, all those wasted times of thinking what that person, thinking about that person. That's the same consuming love that God has for you and I. He's consumed. He's obsessed with you. He's jealous for you. The word of God says his name is jealous. And it's not a jealousy that's rooted in deception. It's a jealousy that's rooted in truth. And this is important because all other jealousy leads to deception. It leads us to the place that that can satisfy us. A worldly thing can satisfy us. A title can satisfy us. A friendship can satisfy us. But the jealousy that God has for us is rooted in the truth that he is the only one that can satisfy us. That's truth. It's why he's so jealous for you because everything that you're crying out for, the answer is him. The answer is him. And so he's raging after you. So how do you combat jealousy, a satanic jealousy, a jealousy that mimics more the counterfeit than rather the jealousy that's, that's defined by God? You combat jealousy with jealousy. Hear me. Instead of being jealous for your own namesake, it's time for us to be jealous for God's name. That very jealousness that he has for you, that heart, that burning song of Solomon says it's like flashes of fire. For love that is as strong as death, jealousy that is as fierce of the grave as the grave, it flashes, its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. That jealousy that God has for us, he wants us to now have for him. Now what that does is this, when someone else experiences the power of God. Now you can't help but to celebrate because you're so jealous for God's namesake. And you say, man, God, you were glorified and you begin to just celebrate. And now the things that begin to burn in your heart is not when someone else exceeds. It's when God's name is, is not being lifted up on high. You know, when I, had to combat my issue with Mina. She's going to listen to this. It's going to be so weird. <laughs> Mina, I love you. But when I had to combat this issue with Mina, you know what I did? I prayed for her every single day. 
and I prayed for blessing over her. That was my way to remedy jealous, jealousness because I began to see that God was being glorified through her. That God was being glorified. And I wanted to get involved in her being glorified. Uh, in, in God being glorified through her. So I began to pray blessing over her every single day. Even when I didn't feel like it. I said, God bless me, nah. God bless her. And then what happened was every time when I saw her begin to grow, every time I began to saw, see her manifest powerfully in the spirit, I began to celebrate. And I began to get excited. And I began to say yes and amen. I began to see God being glorified through her. I stopped being jealous for my namesake, and I started being jealous for the name of God to be lifted up on high. When you get jealous for God, there's no room for unforgiveness. Unforgiveness says what they did is bigger than what God has done. Jealousy is rooted in being unaware of what God has done for us. It comes from a place of not thankfulness. It comes from a place of, of, of not being thankful, the exact opposite. When you begin to despise and treat what God has given you with contempt, you begin to step out of understanding all that he's done for you. The way to combat jealousy is to get right back into that place. The spirit of thanksgiving. The spirit of praise. But even deeper than that, to take the jealous nature that love has. In fact, God calls himself jealous, that nature, but to make it about him. Are you all hearing me? God's jealousy is a jealousy that leads to life, not death. He's so jealous for us, it leads us to life. It's time that we carry that same jealousy for his name, and it manifests life to those around us. And now, rather than hating on one another, we're building one another up. Why? Because the temple isn't about the temple. The temple is about the one that's being worshipped in the temple, and that is God Almighty. I want you guys to just close your eyes. And some of you have been, you've been despising the Lord. Jealousy is treating God with contempt. You know why? Because it's saying, God, what you've given me isn't enough. What you've done for me isn't enough. What you showed me isn't enough. The way that you manifested in me isn't enough. You are not enough. And it's so much deeper than causing division between you and your brothers and sisters in the house. It even caused division between you and your maker. And we're entering a season of building. And we cannot build without removing this poison in our lives. We cannot build we cannot build without identifying the spirit of jealousy and removing it in our lives, rejecting it, forsaking it, renouncing it in our lives. So I know it's something that not all of us 
want to admit to you. But I know that I know this message is for the house. No more looking in the rearview mirror. It's time to look at the path that God has set before you. No more despising one another, not being able to celebrate one another. But it's time to rejoice when others rejoice. If you have been struggling with jealousy in the house. I'm not talking about being jealous of the wicked right now. That's another message. I'm talking about being jealous in the house. I want you to just stand to your feet right now. God's going to set you free. want you to just lift up your hands come on God is gonna he's gonna change your framework he's gonna change your mindset right now that old mindset he's destroying he's dividing his jealous nature for you is dividing the things of the flesh off of you right now We're going to treat jealousy like the sin that it is. I want those of you that are standing, I want you to begin to confess just with your mouth. The ways that you've been falling, you've been entertaining, you've been housing, you've been, you've been making room for jealousy in your heart. I want you to begin to make that confession onto him. Everybody that's standing, I want you to just stay in the place of prayer as well. Just pray for those that are standing to you. Come on, just begin to open up your mouths. I want you to just begin to pray. Those that are sitting, those that are standing, I don't care.